When being creative, one often straddles the line between being authentic and true to oneself versus selling out and cashing in. There's so many imitators out there, but what is it exactly that will help someone stand out in the long run? I can't answer that question for any of you listening audience out there. It has to come from inside you. What is the thing that makes you who you are? Sure, you're going to be inspired by something that has already been done and something that you love. It's how you put your own spin on it that will have people engaged with you and join you for the ride. Welcome to another episode of Walsh Wednesday, the Reflective Series. Today's guest, I believe, has been doing a great job at putting his own spin to the art that he loves. And I'm going to introduce him to you the same way I was introduced to him. Starting this episode with a song, it's my pleasure to introduce NGXB and his piano arrangement of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody.
Thank you to everyone who helped support the Relay for Life of the Capital Region campuses. Though we couldn't be physically together, the day was filled with fun activities, and I know it warmed my heart to see the tradition continue. Though the day of the Relay has passed, you can still donate and contribute to the Relay by donating to the Walsh Wednesday Warriors. The American Cancer Society has been part of every cancer breakthrough for the past 100 plus years, including the first chemotherapy treatment, linking cancer to smoking and obesity, helping to make cancer a conversation that we can talk about through awareness. You can do your part by checking out our team in the description. Our page will be up till June, so you have plenty of time to contribute. Please let your friends and family know and share the news. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Walsh Wednesday, the Reflective Series. Right now, I got a really special guest with us today. I have full-time pianist, arranger, and TikTok influencer, and also part-time Pokemon trainer. We have <laughs> NGXB. How you doing, man? Loving life. How about you? Thank you for having too. me on. Hey, not a problem. I'm so glad to have you here. We share a number of things. We're musicians. We were part of Celebration of Music. But one other thing that's unique, we both have four names. We both have the four initials. U-N-G-X-B, yes. I'm C-M-J-W. And I, a lot of people know me <laughs> by C-M-J-W, Connor Michael John Walsh. NGXB, those are all your real names, correct? Yeah, so NGXB uh, is an acronym for my full name, Nicholas George Xavier Blum. It all started on um, eighth grade. Xavier is actually my confirmation name. When my parents, they sent me to CCD for eight years, and then when I made my confirmation, I chose Pope Francis Xavier, and I just wanted Xavier. I was like, I want an X in my name. So that, that's why I chose Xavier. And then since then started writing my full name on papers just because I, for some reason, enjoyed it. And then had to create an ex new Xbox Live gamer tag because for my previous one got hacked and then it was banned to the year 9999. Then I came up with NGXB and I was like, oh man, that really flows. Then I started writing that on papers. My teacher was like, what is the jigsaw? I was like, oh, those are my initials. And then my one friend started calling me it. And then it just flowed into this thing where by the time my sophomore, junior year of high school, NGXB was just another nickname for me. And then it just took off as my stage name. And then I started using it professionally and by trade. And that's what I go by now. That's what a lot of people know me as. Very nice. And I'm pretty sure you got plenty of merch with that too. I've seen a number of shirts with NGXB across it, right? People can go check out yeah. that merch. I'm assuming right after this podcast interview, people are going to be wanting to get those shirts. So I'm just making sure they know, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, that's, it, it's interesting. Yeah, that's the same thing with me. Connor Michael Walsh, that's my given name. John was my confirmation name. I went to Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And it just for some reason, when I got a Facebook, I put the tag Connor CMJW Walsh and people would ask me, what's Kamujua? What the heck is Kamujua? <laughs> those are my initials. So that was really funny that your teacher was like, what's next B or whatever. <laughs> so that, that's yes. funny. And I've and actually, when I played at, um, sometimes I do before the pandemic, I would play at uh, senior living centers, all that stuff and retirement homes. When I put up my banner, one lady asked like, what's the jigsba? And I was like, Oh, it's my name. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. So <laughs> 
So it's fun. So I love having fun with the people and joking around with them. So it's a little something unique. It catches people off guard and it's fun to go with. So cool that you got that and you're able to oh, yeah. take that and ride. That's so cool. So you are from uh, Brick Township, New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brick, Brick, New Jersey. So that's it's a big town. We have two zip codes and there's two different high schools. There's old brick and then there's new brick. I live on the new brick side. So, but yeah, so that's where, where I live. It's right next to the Jersey Shore, right near Point Pleasant. If you watched the Jersey Shore when it was on TV with Snooki and um, the situation, all those people, I'm like 10 minutes from that town. So, and I live at, live at the shore. So that's specifically in New Jersey where I live. Central Jersey to be exact. Very, very cool. So tell me about your initial upbringing and inspirations as you know, you grew up. What was it that really brought you into your own and into music? So when I was ever since I was very little, I was just always gravitated towards the piano. There was a video of me when I was like one or two, I was in a diaper and I was just standing on top of the piano bench and I was just pressing on the keys. And my dad, who went to Mason Grove School of the Arts, um, he has a degree in classical piano. Oh, wow. So he went on not pursuing a career after it, but he's been teaching me since I was four. So when I turned four, I have that huge classical influence in me. And at the same time, always listen to rock and roll music, 70s and 80s, Queen, Motley Crue, Kiss, all of those bands and Aerosmith, love, love all that type of music. And so grew up with all of that. And then there was times throughout middle school and high school where I didn't play the piano, had that rebel phase, I guess. And then by the time I had to get ready for colleges, it was the end of my sophomore year. My parents were like, congrats, you're going to your junior year of high school. What do you want to do for your life? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, originally, I had the intention of either being a comedian or a realtor, because at the time I was working at McDonald's and I was just such a natural salesman selling. I still hold the record. I believe, still hold the record for selling the most holiday pies in an eight-hour shift. So hey. I just like selling stuff to people. So that's where the whole realtor came in and just my personality. I was like, maybe I could be a comedian. But then I thought realistically, and I was like, man, if I want to pay the bills, let me be a musician. So stuck with that. And then, and then just with dedication and everything, wound up getting accepted into University of the Arts in Philadelphia and Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And then I wound up uh, going to UArts. And I, there I studied jazz for four years. So between that and what I do now, I've just been able to perform a lot and I love it. Wouldn't want to do anything else. No, that's awesome. I'm kind of like amazed by all the parallels we have. I too was, I was between St. Rose and Berkeley and I was accepted to both and it was uh, eventually St. Really? Rose that won over. Yeah. Like Berkeley's amazing school, but just the atmosphere at St. Rose won me over. So. That, that's yeah, just the, the more, yeah the more of the personal connection that I was able to get at UArts when it came to UArts I felt like more I was wanted there and then versus Berkeley where it's like they accepted me that's just yeah. the thought I got and at the time like a year prior I did this pre-college thing where I was at Berkeley College for a week stayed there um, in the dorms and everything connected with other um, pianists and like, I was like, that was my go-to school. That was like my number one choice. And then at, um, wound up applying to UArts and it just felt like it was home there. I had a, immediately made a connection with one of the teachers there. And he said that I would be his student and going into my freshman year. And honestly, I wouldn't be the musician if I am now, if I didn't make the choice going to UArts. 
I feel you a hundred percent. That was my road to St. Rose. So that's, that's awesome, man. One thing that we were talking about earlier mm. that I really want you to bring up, if you don't mind, there was a certain concert in particular that you went to that really hammered it in for you. Can you tell everybody about that? Yeah. So it was the queen concert. It was her first North American tour with Adam Lambert. And I remember telling my mom, that I was like, Oh, they're going to be in, um, they're going to be in New Jersey. I was like, we have to go. And then didn't think too much about it. And then at the time when I was done with my McDonald's shift, she picked me up and she said, Hey, I got tickets to see the queen concert. I was like, Oh my God, no way. Went up getting off work for that day. And then when they performed Bohemian Rhapsody at the very end of the concert, I just remember just bawling my eyes down. I was like, this is what I want to do. And it, it was just like that eye-opening experience where it's like, I want to be on the stage. I want to be performing for people. It, it was like the calling, you know? It's And especially with doing music my entire life and then having those phases where I in and out it in and out of it, it was just like, yep, this is it. There's nothing else that I want to do. And so... Between that, it just made sure I was practicing all the time and just hopefully I could reach to that status one day. So that's what I'm striving for. That's such an amazing aha moment to have. And Queen, it's, oh my God, I'm, I'm jealous. That's, that's so, so good. So as you said, you went to, um, I'm making sure I'm not screwing this up, University of the Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, correct? That's the full name, right? Right. So yes. yeah, and you said that just kind of became home for you and that kind of really brought you to where you are as a musician. Could you talk a little bit about the time and experiences that you had there? Yeah, absolutely. Freshman year, I was still trying to discover myself as like a musician and what I exactly want to do. I was like, yeah, I could read sheet music and I can play music. One thing that I really got a kick out of was playing like fast ragtime-ish style tunes and my all-time favorite pianist is Liberace. Not only is he a great musician, but he's a tremendous showman, hence we called Mr. Showmanship. So um, I really took to that, and with his flair and technique, I was like, that's the type of stuff that I want to do. And so freshman year, along with studying jazz, which I wasn't, I'm not the biggest fan of jazz, quote-unquote, like, I love it, but it's not, like, my top favorite John applied it to other genres. So then freshman, sophomore year, I was still discovering myself as a pianist. And then junior, going into my junior year, so the summer um, going into my junior year, it was, I remember I was on YouTube and I saw this person playing a, a sweet child of mine on the piano. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, what? But I would do this. I would add this, but make it more like virtuosic. I'd want to have add like a flourish of arpeggios in this spot. And then I was like, all right, why don't I just do it? And so without any guidance or anything, I opened up Sibelius on my computer and I just started notating everything. And fortunately for me, not to be that kind of person, but I have perfect pitch. And so um, I, <laughs> I just listen to music and I'm like, all right, so it's just those notes. So I would notate it. And then I just started getting to this thing where I would just create my own arrangements, transcribe it to make it sound exactly like the soundtrack that what people are used to listening to, but then I would add my own stuff to it. When it comes to like styles, going back classically, classical music, Franz Liszt is my favorite uh, romanticism composer, mm -hmm. and he was best friends with Chopin, so I like that very fast arpeggio-infested style of music. So um, 
when it comes to that, I really like that those fast runs and just making it sound very intricate. I always like being involved in projects or anything. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to commit to it. Let me do it like this. And so where it's attention grabbing rather than background music. So that's the one thing as a pianist, I really want to change is to give being a pianist a, a new meaning in a way, rather than just being the typical background music. I can make it where it's like a whole rock and roll experience, but with just two hands. So and 88 keys. That's a great way to put it. No, that's a good that's oh, a yeah. good call line for you right there. No, that's nice. Oh yeah. So one thing about your time being there in Philadelphia kind of led to how we ended up linking up. Uh, mm -hmm. You yeah. heard about the experience with Celebration of Music, and you were yes. lucky enough to be the winner of your region, and then you were able to go mm -hmm. out and film and. We're still waiting on when the episode will finally air, but it, it, yes. speaking for myself, it was a phenomenal experience. And after talking to so many people, we all have such unique and different stories of how we got to that point. So I want to ask you about yours. Tell me about that road to Celebration of Music. Funny thing is, this, the whole Celebration of Music thing was happening during my sophomore year, right before I started getting into arranging. All right. So like it was the month of February, pretty much three years ago right now, got an email from my school and it was saying, oh, there's this um, opportunity to be on a television show. I was like, oh yeah, let me, let me see what it's about. And then I was in my dorm. I was looking it up. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Sent it to my parents. I was like, should I do this? They're like, yeah, do it. Already applied. Took three weeks to get a response. And then oh my God, I forget his name, but he sent an email saying, hey, we're interested in having you um, in the show. Would you be available on this date, this time at um, the Music Fest at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? I was like, yes, yeah, so I'll find a way to get there. I'll do it. And then, okay, sweet. Didn't hear back a few weeks. During this time, I was getting really into music directing. So at this time, I was getting huge into Pitt's theater work uh, throughout my school. And I was like, all right, I want to be I had my mindset. I wanted to be a music director on Broadway. I was taking conducting, getting ready to um, take conducting lessons. I was in numerous pits between school and other opportunities outside of a school. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is it. I'm going to be a conductor on Broadway. Uh, this is what I want to do. I already got some headshots, did some promo pictures. And then that night when I had this book that I was able to get from the library, I started reading it got an email that says, congratulations, you're a finalist on Celebration of Music. You have to arrive here at this time. I was like, oh, all right, sweet. Wound up doing that. And I was like, all right, if I win this, then I'm definitely going to get back into like performing like and maybe music directing that night. And then I was like, all right, now my dreams ever since of being a little kid of being a touring performer and all that stuff just shot right back up. And then the funk that I was in, it was weird. Like, have you ever just felt like that you were in a funk where it's like, oh, I don't know what I want to do with music. Yes. Like, that type of feeling. And that's when my fallback, fallback plan, quote unquote, was the whole music directing thing. But then when I was uh, announced the winner, it just flung it back into action. So uh, that got me motivated. Then that's what, how I got into arranging where I was like, all right, how can I stick out from every other classical and jazz pianist? It was like every student here asks if I know this jazz standard, if I know 
all the things you are in a flat or if I'm a mover in the like, but what if they like, do you know, sweet child of mine? Do you know, home, sweet home? Do you know, Bohemian Rhapsody? So then that's when I just started taking all these piano solo arrangements and started making them my own. And so that's what, how I really got inspired to do it. That's really sweet. And I totally get you about having that funk. It was amazing. Right before celebration of music happened for me, I was just in a rut. I was not getting anywhere. I was doing so many auditions, so many shows, trying to get just about anything to be noticed. Nothing was working. And I was so discouraged. And I was in a few competitions and I was trying to get up there, getting closer and closer, but never, never quite getting there. Mm-hmm. And then when Celebration of Music was just put into my lap, it was like, I was just in my head and in my heart, it was like, this is mine. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you like how I felt that, but it was like, this is mine and I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. And yeah, I know that feeling of that funk and use, and then how Celebration of Music at the very least, which is still pretty huge, kind of got us on the trajectory and mindset of where we want to be and where we're kind of like going at today. So that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you've had that opportunity. Tell me about the experience that you had when you were out in California and just that whole whirlwind of going out there and performing and seeing everybody. It was nuts. The first thing that I noticed, like I was, it was my very first time out in the West Coast. And so it was, it was an amazing experience. I remember just landing um, in LAX airport and I was like, man, this is, this is the, the start of something. So it just, even every opportunity that I got was just, just kept me more motivated. Like it was just motivation after motivation. And then if you've ever been to LAX, one thing that you see is the piano that's there that people play. So I was on that for a few songs, entertaining people. It was just so fun. But yeah, and one first thing I noticed, um, other than that, as soon as I got out of the airport, gas is over four to five dollars there. I freaked, had a heart attack. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Man, me paying two fifty a gallon in Jersey is like I just appreciated that. <laughs> for the first few days when I was in LA, I just putts around. I was on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, Sunset Strip, all of that stuff. It was just, oh my God. I was like, this is what, what you, you see in movies. This is what you hear, like, all the musicians talk about. It's just amazing. And, like, just being able to witness it and just listen to the Motley Crue song, Girls, 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 all the strip clubs that they were naming. I was like, that's that. My dad was having a blast. He was like, oh, that's that, that one right there. So it's, we saw the, went to the Whiskey Go-Go. It was just a tremendous experience. And then we got, then I was the first day of performers taping and then just being able to talk to Gene, Ethan, and just everyone else there. It was just a tremendous experience being able to get our um, TV debut, television debut, if you want to call it that. And it was such an amazing experience. Right after that, I went to Vegas for a couple of days because um, my current mentor, his name is David Osborne, and he's a Steinway artist who performs at the Bellagio four nights a week from Thursday to Sunday, and he's their primetime entertainment. And um, he actually recently just got inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. So he's, yeah, he has a tremendous career, and he performs, yeah, in the Bellagio. And so, and he took me under his wing. I was able to find out when he was performing and went there the first night he was there, my last night of being in Vegas before I went back to Jersey. 
and um, we connected and now I currently mentor with him. And so we keep in touch and hopefully by the time the summer comes when this pandemic is calmed down, hopefully, um, I'll be out there playing for some people. So who knows where it's going to take me. That's awesome, man. It seems like the road ahead is looking like really bright for you and everything that you've worked on up to this point, it's going to pay off in some form or fashion. So kudos to you on that. So you're very welcome. We're going to take another quick music break. Harkening back to Nick mentioning Motley Crue's Girls, 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 we're going to present you another Motley Crue song. I think this is an absolutely phenomenal arrangement, so check it out here. This is NGXB's piano arrangement of Home Sweet Home.
Do It Again is here. Enjoy this anthem of nostalgia as it is now available on all main distribution platforms. That's right, you can stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, all the works. And don't forget, you can include the song on your Instagram stories and reels along with your latest TikToks. Scotty C and I put a lot of depth and care into crafting this track. And after a year like 2020, there are probably a number of things that we still miss and wish we could do again. Keep staying smart and safe, and though nothing will go back to exactly the way it was before, perhaps we can pave a better future. In the meantime, whenever you're getting sentimental or just need a new song to rock out to, check out Do It Again by Scotty C featuring me, Connor Walsh, and don't forget to check out our music video shot by Rachel D'Amico. You can find all these links in the description of this podcast. So here we are. It's 2021 now, but 2020 was like, it's, it's still 2020. In my head, it's still 2020. Like, when did it really change years? What is this year? What was last year? I don't even know. But 2020 had a huge and lasting impact on all of us. <laughs> And Currently, it's December 79th of 2020, that in, <laughs> in my mind. It's still cold. It's snowing. I don't like the snow. I, I love I. the scenery of the snow. Like, if you want to, like, snow's around Christmas, and if you want a couple snowflakes on January, just to give it that New Year feel. But after that, I just want to be in warm weather all year long. Oh, dude, same here. I'm a parrot head by nature. I'm born and raised Jimmy Buffett fan. I want to go where it's warm, waste away again in Margaritaville. I have way too many Hawaiian shirts for my own good. Like, honestly, that, that's the way I want to be living, bro. That's, that's where I want to be. I'm that one kid that wears shorts all year long. So uh, I'm just always in denial. I'm like, no, it's not cold. Even though if I'm freezing, my legs are bright red from the cold. I'm just going to say, no, I'm not cold. So that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that defiant stubbornness is like, no, I'm not cold get it the best of me. Good. Very, very good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> beginning of 2020, going back to all that, it was just an interesting time period for just absolutely everybody, but especially the arts. And uh, I just wanted to go into what that time, what this time period has been for you artistically and personally. And again, before we started this interview, you were telling me a story right before the pandemic hit. You're, you were also out in uh, Vegas again, and then you came back and the world had changed. Like, could you tell us about that? Yeah. So originally, um, I was about to go on spring break from school. I was like, all right, great. I had a very easy semester anyway. The only thing that I was focusing on was a couple lessons that I had every week and just focusing on my senior recital. When, and then during that time, when the new semester started in January, I was in contact with David. I was like, yeah, we'll come out. We'll take some lessons and just have like, just have in-person lessons and just get the feel of what it's like to see you playing there again and just see what your life is like so we planned for that spring break and towards the very end of february this is when we were getting notices like oh like people are getting more cases of covid19 and then like all of us or many of us thought uh it's not going to be anything we'll we'll be fine and so originally like kept getting more cases by the time march 
came, my mom was like, I don't know if we want you out there. And I was just like, I got to go out. And I had a blast. I was on the Vegas Strip, literally in paradise, and studied with David. And it was, had a fun time. And then when I came back to Jersey, and then that day I got, literally that day, got a notification that all senior recitals were postponed, canceled. And I remember I was crying. Like, I was just like, all this work that I'm putting in is, um, now it's not going to even happen. I was prepared to wear a tuxedo. I was going to perform on this nice baby grand at the, um, at my school. But then wound up finding another solution to the original date I was going to perform, which was the end of April. And um, I wound up doing a live stream and my teachers really loved it. Everything was great. Originally, we were going to have another jury, which is what you normally do um, freshman, sophomore and junior year. And then senior, senior year, you have a recital. But then I was like, no, let me just do a live stream of what I was originally going to do. They approved it instead of me doing the jury and they loved it. So um, and it went very, very well. So um, I was able to get I performed at home. And it was it was a blast. Definitely a memorable senior recital. That's cool. It's it's not the way that definitely would have wanted it to be, but that's really good intuition and adaptation that you're able to put into it. So as so, what was this like graduating during the pandemic, having to go through that, and now just what the whole rest of this year was looking like? It was definitely crazy. I um. My last gig was March 14th because I got uh, landed back and then I was like, oh, got to go back to work. I remember talking to the owner of the restaurant that I was playing at and she was like, yeah, I already lost a table for 20 of a party canceled. And I was like, damn, like this is getting serious. And then that's when New Jersey was on a lockdown. And so like everyone, we had no idea what was going on. All of my gigs were canceled. So it was just frightening because I'm like, is this going to be my life now? Like, am I ever going to be able to perform again? And, but my parents, they just told me, just keep doing what you're doing, practice, fill up your repertoire and just do, do what you do. Um, they let me focus on my recital, got that done. And then I just put the pedal to the metal and with their support, I was just able to just crank out arrangement after arrangement and just fill up my repertoire. So it was with the support that I've been getting. Um, it took a couple months to get another gig and it was one maybe here and there every few weeks. But um, now I'm back onto a schedule where I'm performing like twice a week. Now I'm on Fridays and Saturdays at a couple other restaurants. So it's without their support, I wouldn't be where I am. So. No, that's really awesome. Definitely them, and it, while it was taking a while to um, get an income, get some gigs, they're not time. We all found different hobbies, especially musicians who are put out of work. One of them was um, I started flipping Funkos, so I got into that, and it was very, it was a very very interesting experience. I don't do it as much now, but um, 
because other opportunities, I'm back to gigging and everything. But it was fun. For like six months, I was just buying Funkos, being that one person that would buy a Funko or six of them. And the, the time it was announced, it would get sold out. Then I would put them up on eBay. And then that's how I was um, making money for the first six months of the pandemic. And then between that, started to getting, getting consistent gigs back in October or late October, early November. And then around that time, that's when I started putting stuff out on TikTok. And then fortunately, I started getting a on that freezing did it cut out yeah it did cut out okay no yeah all right you're good man i got most of it i think we're good but i think this leads mm-hmm. really nicely into the next speaking point tiktok my lord my dude the way that you are just killing it on tiktok and how tiktok has also gotten you uh following on other sites like instagram and all that I feel like anything I say isn't going to give it nearly enough credit. So how about you just get into it? How did that all begin, you and uh, your TikTok videos? So it all started back uh, last February, and I think it was February 16th was when I made my very first TikTok. It was a video of me um, playing Piano Man, and I had my harmonica all like all prepared, and I was going to make it look like where I was going to perform Piano Man. And then normally when the harmonica part comes in, I just started screaming. So all throughout the entire thing. And then by the following day, it had like 500,000 views. And then it just blew me up a little bit for that, for that week or so. And then got 10,000 followers just right off the bat over a month. I was like, all right, sweet. This is really cool. And then I didn't have any videos that have gotten that much attention until seven months later, um, I woke up one morning, I was replying to one of my friend's videos where, where I wound up saying, yeah, I'd play the, I'll play piano for you every morning. And then he said, oh, every morning I better hear the entertainer. And so for some reason, I was like, all right, let me record this, see if this works. I went downstairs, play the piano, and I would play the beginning. And normally when you hear that chord where it's the da 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 Bum. And when you would hear that loud chord, um, instead of shouting, playing that chord, I shouted the F word. And by like a few days later, it was at a couple million views. And I was like, wow, all right. And then I just kept making videos that were, that was combining my talent with the piano and then just my general personality. And then it's been really taking off. And since then I've, I just hit like 330,000 followers alone on TikTok and I'm just getting more every day and just uh, posting that same type of content. (laughs) That's absolutely insane. But one thing that I really got to give you a lot of credit for, you know, when it comes to TikTok and a lot of these different apps, a lot of people compromise on what they are and what they're doing and just try to follow a trend and just really work hard to break through that way, just ride the algorithms and the trends. But here you are doing something that's authentically you with the arrangements, with music you love and kind of absurd comedy, but it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal and it's authentic and people can get along with that. And that kind of gets into a conversation that we had before about the authenticity 
to everything and just one being true to yourself, but also finding that way that other people can be engaged with what you're doing. Yeah. So when it comes to that, and and I'm surprised, I surprised myself too. Typically when you see other people that post content, they would just ride or use certain sounds or videos that are currently trending. And then when my things just started getting attention, I was like, all right, so I definitely got something here. When you see a lot of Instagram pianists or now TikTok pianists, if you want to call them that, they would always recycle the same type of content. Like some of them, it's, they're always playing a classical piece and then they, like it's all before TikTok, they're playing the Moonlight Sonata. And then after it's an after TikTok, they play still Dre. Like a lot of people use the exact same songs. And that's the one thing I'm like, I don't want to be known as like that serious type of pianist. And they, it's like the same video over and over again. And so I was like, you never see a very like rambunctious, energetic pianist and is more than happy to show that in his playing. So that's the one thing when it just came to developing my own niche, that's the one thing I was just focusing on and it just started working out. So when it comes to that, and there was a time where I was like trying to promote my own arrangements and unfortunately that wasn't specifically working out, but when it came to playing songs that were very popular with our generation, it just started, it just started working out. So at the same time, while I still use the skills that I have, I'm also using that to play what other people like. So it keeps them engaged while still showing other musicians what I actually do. So there's people that will see the specific piano techniques that I incorporate, but other people will also enjoy it because I'm either shouting the F word or some of the other comedic stuff that I'll put within the video. So I try to make sure that it's always engaging people, always comment, and it's just being able to attract a large audience or everyone rather than just one specific genre of people. Yeah, of course. And I think that kind of all goes back to what you were talking about earlier about where you wanted to go, what you wanted to be before you like hunkered down on music. You mentioned comedian, you mentioned realtor because of sales. And to be honest, you're kind of bringing that all together right now. You're taking your incredible music talent, you're adding that comedic flair and you know how to sell yourself. And you're, you're bringing that all in. That's a triple threat right there. And it's definitely something to be commended. By the way, my favorite video for every, everybody listening, check out the Thomas the Tank Engine one. That was the <laughs> one that just like made me die. That was the one that I, I said to Nick. I was like, Nick, you're, you're coming on this podcast. It's like, nope, nope, it, this is happening. It's like, uh, I was a huge Thomas fan when I was little. And just that video killed me killed me there's way too many good things with that video so there you. you have many good videos like trust me I've, I've seen i've seen a good number of them but like the thomas the tank engine one killed me no yeah i i'll never forget i had the idea of doing it and i was like all right let me do something slightly different and i remember telling my parents this, i was like god do something different they're like what are you gonna do i'm like i'm gonna buy a pair of thomas the tank thomas the train sunglasses they're like why? So then I bought them. They're like, you're wasting your money. I'm like, and I looked at them in the eye. I'm like, hopefully these will make me go viral. 
And right now it just hit 16 million views oh <laughs> over the past like week and a half. So it keeps trending and all that stuff. It was at 15 million last night. And then I woke up, it, it just blew up. It just got another million views overnight. I was like, all right, sweet. So a, a new audience found it. So, <laughs> but with that video, I was recording it. And so I want to have that in there. And I always have this nut button. It's a button. And when you press it, it just says nut. I don't, people get a kick out of it. I'm like, how can I just make it where people are just commenting, like trying to trigger the algorithm, creating engagement. And then as I was doing that, my brother, who's the complete opposite of me, he's very like quiet. He doesn't like, he doesn't like attention or anything. So when I was almost done recording, he's like, wait, let me add something. So then it took a few takes, but when you see something falling down the stairs, that's him. He just decided to slide down the stairs and people thought it was either a dog, it was a goat, but nope, it's just my brother. <laughs> I saw, I think I saw that like the third time watching it. It was like, wait a second, is somebody sliding down the stairs? And that's just like a whole other meta comedy going on. It was like, what is going on here? But it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just, I try to make my videos as chaotic as possible, like with just... While still shooting, while I'm trying to make it a piano video, I just have to make it to where every other person in the world is just going to be like, "Yeah, this is funny." So it's or it's somewhat enjoyable, rewatchable, and they share it. So it's fortunately it's been working out. So <laughs> it's chaotic good. You know those memes where they have the chaotic good to yes. neutral to evil scale. No, you're you're in the chaotic good corner and. Uh, <laughs> We're all loving it, and we're we're all excited to see what else, what else that you got pumping out of you. That no, oh that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, There's definitely I do want to start incorporating more series where it does show my serious side, where I'm able to show off my actual work and all of that stuff. So um, I do have some series in mind. Um, they won't it won't consist of me shouting the f word. If um, hopefully it doesn't disappoint everyone but um there's but we'll keep it make sure that i'll make sure that it's intriguing and all that stuff so it's just a matter of time while i love the attention that i've received and i'm fortunate for it and i'm extremely thankful for it i do want to have that recognition of not just being a, a silly goose if you want to call it yeah but, um but also being recognized for the serious work that i've been putting my blood sweat and tears in as well no, definitely. So there's got to be a way where I have to engage it and I have ideas. I just have to start filming them now. So, And you have the energy and you have the right mindset. So I am more than certain that that's going to be able to pay out for you, for sure. Thank you. So, Nick, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. And I'm so glad that we're able to sit down and do this. Where can people check you out? Where can people check uh, to watch the next video where should people follow you where should people buy the merch how can they get involved so you can follow me on tiktok instagram facebook youtube all um, at ngxb you'll definitely see my smiling irish face reflecting on a, on a grand piano that the profile picture you'll see you can see all my content there i post consistently on tiktok and i definitely post on instagram and if you want to see more of my serious work that you can show to your friends and family, um, you could definitely see all that on YouTube as well. So, and for when it comes to merch, you can just message me and buy a shirt. I just have to set up a thing where you can 
buy stuff on my website. So, and yeah, you could check out my website as well. Um, www.vngxb.com. So. Very cool. And we'll make sure to have those links in the description of this podcast for you guys just to scroll downward and it's all just a click of a button. Oh yeah. Very, very nice. Nick, thank you so, so much for coming on to Walsh Wednesday. This has been an electrifying interview and honestly wish you nothing but the best with all of your creative endeavors moving forward. This has Thank been you awesome. very much. Yours as well, man. I, I'm loving what you're doing um, with the original music. Just keep doing it, man. It's no Thanks stop. So much. No stop. And always, always keep grinding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before we wrapped up this interview, Nick had this last thing to say. But hey, if you're a musician or an artist that wants to make this a career, turn your hobby into a career, just make sure that you give the proper dedication. Make sure you're, you put in career-level commitment for career-level results. And at the end of the day, parents, if you have kids and you see something in them, and if they're putting smiles on people's faces and impressing them, the best thing you can do is to support them. So you always want to support you know, your local artists as well. So that's the, best, that's the best advice I can give. It's scary. It's a scary career, especially now. But with just a little bit of support, you can change your you could change a friend or your child's anyone you could change someone's life so definitely support is number one to conclude this episode we'll leave you with one last song you can check out all these songs you heard today and more all in the links in the descriptions we're going to leave you with ngxb's rendition of dream on by aerosmith for both nick and i i'm connor walsh and i'm glad we get to spend some time